Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So here it is. This is the Advent week in which we celebrate joy, and so I'm wearing my joy suit. I get to, I actually could wear it any day of the year that I wanted to, but I always reserve it for this particular day, and who knows, we might do a Christmas in July service, Amy, what do you think? We might just have to whip it out again. And I was so grateful because I had not put it on in a year, so imagine my delight that it actually still fit. You know, when you go through a pandemic, you don't always end up the same size you started out as, so I was very happy about that. So, (laughs) call it a win, call it a win. Uh, Yeah, so I'm really grateful to have the Youth of Unity and our college students with us today because they give me great optimism for what's coming up in the future and how Unity of Fairfax will be a part of helping the world renew in 22. So, yay. So, I'm really excited about that. And we'll get back to the future 2022 in just a moment. But first, I would really like to address the present where all power and all potential lives, right here in the present moment. And Kira inaugurated our, our celebration today by lighting the candle for joy. And it always reminds me, every time we get to this week, of that wonderful old song many of us learned as kids, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but for the last year and a half, two years, it seems to have been pretty far down in my heart. You know, I don't know about you, but there are some days I've had to go down real deep to find it and, and pull it up. Am I the only one who's had that experience of, okay, great, so God, not just me, because I hate to shamelessly project my experience onto everybody else. So a couple weeks ago here at Unity of Fairfax, we hosted what we call the Blue Christmas Service. Blue Christmas provides holy witness to the reality that for some people, this season in general, or this particular Christmas season, is notable for its absence of joy. And in conversation with other clergy and many people close to me, it seems like the supply chain shortages that have been in the news have also impacted the delivery of joy, as well as some particular consumer goods. And I want to talk about that for a moment, and then we'll lighten things up. But we've got to acknowledge the facts as they are today. And one of those facts is that the pandemic is continuing. You know, I, I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say I am so over it. But it apparently is not over us just yet. So we will continue to use our tools that we have at our disposal to move through this time and not let it get the best of us. We do have tools and we are using them. And I think many of us are still disturbed by the events of January 6th and all that that symbolizes. And I'm just going to stop right there on that one. And we've seen some weird evidence of climate change. Why are they having tornadoes in Minnesota in December? That's kind of shocking. And the list goes on and on and on. So how do we get back to joy? You know, it's down, 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 down in our hearts. So we got to pull it back up. So how are we going to do that? Well, number one, first step is always simply acknowledge what is. What's there on the table? Uh, don't try to hide it. Don't try to deny it. And so it's important that we create safe spaces here in our center and with our circle of trust 
where we can share, this is just what I'm feeling. And it's important in our circles of trust, it's a Parker Palmer term, if you're familiar with him, that we have people who have the wherewithal and the spiritual maturity to provide holy listening. And by that, I mean they will listen without trying to fix, without trying to make you wrong or bad. They will provide a holy space of acknowledgement. Because one of our most fundamental human needs as human beings is simply to be witnessed. There's a wisdom and a power within all of us that will know when to ask for help or how to reach out. But first, we just have to be acknowledged. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of opening your heart and somebody says, well, all you got to do is you need to, and, and then you're just like, I'm totally shut down. This is not helping anything. In fact, I feel worse. Thank you very much. So provide sacred and holy witness. And I invite each one of us here and online to be willing to be the sacred and holy witness. That is an enormous gift that you can give someone, is to listen without judging, listen without fixing, listen, listen without trying to make it different from what it is. Secondly, it's important for us to remember that um, we can faith it till we make it. You know, we shared the first Sunday of Advent that that little change of expression. You may have heard fake it till you make it. Well, we don't want anybody to be fake, but we do want everybody to be faithful. So let's have the faith to remember the joy will come back. You know, and having gone around the sun more times than I, I, <laughs> I thought I would ever go around the sun, I've learned a few things, and I'm sure you have learned it too, that none of this is permanent. Everything changes. It's like they say in the King James Version of the Bible over 500 times, literally. And it came to pass. Nowhere does it say, and it came to stay. This is all going to pass. The day is coming sooner than later when we'll look back at the pandemic experience and see what we learned. We'll look back on all the other facts and see what we learned. And if we're wise, not only what we've learned, but how we've come out better because of it. Well, that's the great work of spirituality, isn't it? To find the good in the challenges. But the challenges are there, and the good is there. And believe it or not, the joy is still there. So before we go into further, I would like to share a prayer that was written by the great American theologian Howard Thurman. And he says, and it's based on the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, Make me an instrument of thy peace. Teach me how to order my days so that with sure touch I may say the right word at the right time and in the right way, lest I betray the spirit of peace. Let me not be deceived by my own insecurity and weakness, which would make me hurt another as I try desperately to help myself. Keep watch over me, O oh my Father, over the days of my life, that with abiding enthusiasm I may be in such possession of myself that each day I may offer to thee the full, unhampered use of me in all my parts as an instrument of thy peace. Amen and amen. That joy and that power is always there. Let us not forget 
which is one of the reasons why we come together, is to remind one another of how truly powerful we are to be agents of good in the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, so I want to get back to youth, and I want to get back to joy. Um, I am 56 years old, and when I was a teenager, here's some things you, some of you also might be familiar with. Computers were not widely available. This was kind of a government thing. Uh, And social media actually meant uh, newspapers and magazines and newsletters and parking lot meetings and meeting with people in public together. Uh, Many parts of the country hadn't begun the work of racial healing, for sure. The glass ceiling for women was still very much in place, and uh, being gay, let alone acting on it, was a crime. Uh, George Orwell's novel, 1984, was very popular, especially for those of us who graduated from high school in 1984. I'm looking at you, lady. I'm older than you are. How could you? You're smarter than I am. Oh, okay. (laughs) I see. Okay. Okay. So there you have it. So, but I knew as a young person that there were a lot of things. You learn something new every day around here, don't you? I learned and I knew that I had a lot to learn, a lot of things I wanted uh, adults to know. Uh, I also knew that there were some things I didn't know, but it's amazing how much I knew when I was 18 and how much I know at 56. There's a big disparity. Anyway, so the first thing I wanted everybody to know was that punk music is music. Right, Amy, you were there. Okay. Um, I I also acknowledged and discovered that religious-inspired prejudices were hypocritical. That was pretty obvious to me. I also learned and and recognized that women leaders are fantastic leaders. I saw that as a kid. And, uh, And I also had this premonition that one day we'll all be having video calls and meetings. I just knew that that was a possibility. And sure enough, it happened. All of which reminds me that even in my post-teenage years, that young people have observations and evaluations that are crucial for the young at heart to know. You know, I think of Malala Yousafzai, uh, who has what she has added to the world and the wisdom she has brought and the teaching that One thing is that the most terrifying sight to a terrorist is a girl with a book. I think about Greta Thunberg, who as a teenager has grabbed the attention of world leaders. Teenager, when speaking about climate change. So what does all of this have to do with Advent and the birth of Jesus? That's the question before us, right? So in scholarly circles, there's a term we use called the lost years of Jesus, which highlights the fact that um, next to nothing is known about the time between his birth and his adult ministry. Some say he traveled to India and learned from the gurus. And some say that he learned carpentry from his Joseph, his stepfather. But technically, the Greek term that was used to describe Joseph's occupation, tecton, simply meant laborer. And in that area, it was more than likely stonemason. But that's beyond the point. But the question is, were these years actually lost? No, (laughs) they were not lost because the tweens, the teens, and the 20s are not lost years for anyone. They are important years. They are formative years. They are crucial years. 
And what is important for scholars, though, as scholars of the Bible, is that there's basically only one story in the Bible that actually addresses this time of Jesus' life. It's found in Luke chapter 2, which is, incidentally, the same chapter in which, in the book of Luke, Jesus is born. And I want to share with you a few verses from that particular book. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival, the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, has anyone else ever gotten a similar lecture? Okay, so this is an archetypal experience. And how did he answer them? Like this. He said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So what was he saying to them? And more importantly, did any of you ever use that line when you were questioned by your anxious parents? Where, where, where are you? What have you been doing? No, I didn't think so. I didn't use it either. So metaphysically, we could say that in my father's house can mean having my own thoughts and inspirations and discerning what they mean. I mean, think about it. How many young people, formerly young people, Artists, visionaries, or idealists have spent a lot of time in my father's house and yet been misunderstood by others. Probably every inventor, every leader, everybody who has been an innovator has been misunderstood by the people around them because the people around them expected them to do the normal thing. And yet that's where innovation comes from, by staying open to divine ideas and inspirations. So, of course, he was in my father's house and misunderstood. I mean, clearly, he marched to the beat of a different drummer. And has any of you ever marched to a beat of a different drummer? I see some head nods. Oh, but speaking of, that reminds me of a very important aside. And we have a special slide I want to bring to your attention. Mary, exhausted, having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to themselves, what this girl needs is a drum solo. So <laughs> I always wondered about that in the little drummer boy song. So it's like, I'm trying to get the baby to sleep. Nobody brought me any formula diapers. And the kid comes and wants to play the drums. <laughs> it's the thought that counts, isn't it? So today, what I would like to do is invite our young people, those who would like to share, to come forward and share a few words about what's happening in their father's house, as it were. So any of you who would like to come forward and share, we'd just like to hear a little bit of wisdom that you would have for the community. And we'll start with James Liu, 
who is a sophomore at Virginia Tech, if you want to take your uh, mask off, what would you want people to know from your point of view? So something I would share is to stay humble and know that no matter what situation you're in, there's always something to learn. Amen. Thank right. you. Thank you. Kira, if you want to take your mask off, it's fine, or you can keep it on. Uh, in my experience, I have learned that um, I can trust myself, my instincts, and the people around me because I know that they will support me. Amen. Um, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and we were talking about just how different it is like going to college and then coming home and she was kind of saying like she didn't really know like who she was at college but she knew where she was here and we were just talking and we kind of came to the conclusion that it was good to have change and you have to put yourself out there to change whether it's a little bit uncomfortable at first but it'll benefit you in the end. I would say relating to what Reverend Russ said about joy you can also find a lot of joy in community, and it's easier to be happy together. All right, thank you. All right, thank you all. We appreciate your sharing. If you can go ahead and take your seats. Amen. Amen. I am just so grateful for their contributions today and the reminder of the importance of listening to one another and providing holy listening because there's great wisdom all around us. There's great community all around us. There's great joy all around us. And yes, sometimes when we step out in the world and try a new thing, it is uncomfortable. But how wonderful to know that behind you are all those people who are saying, you got this. You can do this. Even if you tumble and fall, and you will, you got this. You got this. I'm so grateful that we are teaching our young people here at Unity of Fairfax and through our entire Unity movement to understand this truth that you can rely on your own instincts and that there are people around you. So Kira, thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Audrey. And thank you, Dayton, for contributing to today's service, for adding to this community and reminding us how much we need each other, and especially when times are challenging and how much more fun it is to celebrate when the good times are afoot. I choose to believe we can know both at the same time and not be overwhelmed. I'd like to share a closing reading, a little short poem by Shel Silverstein. You may be familiar with his work, but it speaks to this notion of community and why it's important that we all honor and love one another. It goes like this. Said the little boy, sometimes I drop my spoon said the old man, I do that too. The little boy whispered, I wet my pants. I do that too, laughed the little old man. Said the little boy, I often cry. The old man nodded, so do I. But worst of all, said the boy, it seems grown-ups don't pay attention to me. 
and he felt uh, the warmth of a wrinkled old hand. I know what you mean, said the little old man. At Christmas time, we celebrate the idea of a birth. But we must also remember that regardless of age, everyone, and I mean everyone, is an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of the universe. In the parable of the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25, we read this line, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. You know, there's a movement afoot, and I'm sure we hear about it every year, to keep Christ in Christmas. Well, how do we do that? It's easy, and it may not be what you think. It's easy because it simply means that we honor the Christ within all, the living spirit of truth, whatever you want to call it, especially among populations that are marginalized or vulnerable or outcast. And not just at Christmas, but the entire year through. And so once again, I would like to uh, borrow a few words from Howard Thurman and, and, and end my message with his words, actually, from a little poem, The Work of Christmas. And he said, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, and to make music in the heart. Because, my friends, it is in doing the work of Christmas that we will also discover the joy of Christmas. But please think twice before doing a drum solo. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.